Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be talking to Simon Thompson and Rebecca Aston. In this episode of the podcast, we're discussing green and sustainable finance and what it means to the insurance and financial services professions. We're joined by Simon Thompson, Chief Executive of the Chartered Banker Institute and Chair of the UK's Green Finance Education Charter on behalf of the Department for Energy Security and Net Zero and author of Green and Sustainable Finance, Principles and Practice. We're also joined by Rebecca Aston, Professional Standards Manager at the Chartered Insurance Institute. Here's my conversation with Simon and Rebecca. Hello, Simon, and hello, Rebecca, and thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Luke. Hello, Luke. Glad to be here. Real pleasure to to speak with you both. Simon, when we talk about green and sustainable finance, what do we mean? Well, so about 15 years ago, uh, in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, and um, of course, the time we're recording this, there's some uh, interesting resonances uh, at the moment. So many felt that the the finance sector needed to reconsider its strategies and uh, its activities and align these with more socially purposeful, longer term aims and objectives that would you know, deliver greater shared economic and social value. In other words, finance should seek to become more sustainable which in the context that I and many others use it generally refers to creating shared prosperity for for all, meeting the needs of current generations without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. Now, you know, we have a long discussion about what those needs may be. They're they're wide and varied. They you know differ around the world, but most approaches to sustainability would focus on three key aspects. I think often talked about as a three legged stool: so the economy, the environment, and society. Uh, from 2015 with the Paris Agreement, so policymakers, regulators, the finance sector have focused on environmental sustainability, particularly tackling the global challenge of climate change. Uh, and more recently still, environmental issues beyond but interlinked with climate change have come to the fore, what's referred to as the triple planetary crisis of climate change, pollution and biodiversity loss, you know, addressed through the global biodiversity framework uh, agreed in Montreal at the end of 2022, a kind of Paris Agreement for Biodiversity, if you like. Um, and the role of finance in leading and supporting a just transition to a sustainable, low-carbon, nature-positive world is stressed in both the Paris Agreement and the Montreal Kunming Global Biodiversity Framework. Financing this then requires the rapid and sustained decarbonisation of lending and investment portfolios and the redeployment of global capital to align with Paris, the GBF objectives and the UN Sustainable Development Goals more broadly. And so whilst definitions differ, for me and for many, the alignment of finance with these global societal goals as expressed in the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Paris and the Global Biodiversity Framework, that's what we call green and sustainable finance. Thank you, Simon. That's an excellent overview. Rebecca, what is the role of insurance and personal finance professionals in terms of green, sustainable finance? 
Well, the role of professionals in terms of green finance is really no different to their role in terms of any other product or service. And that's to best serve the needs of their clients and customers, provide a high standard of service, and always to act with the highest ethical standards and integrity. However, as Simon has really clearly laid out, um, one of the greatest needs of our time is to make sustainable choices for the future and to be mindful of protecting our environment and our natural resources. And professionals are expected to be at the forefront of meeting that challenge. So for our members specifically, that might look like being able to confidently advise clients on green finance products that best meet their needs um, or helping to create insurance products that don't merely ensure against the impact of climate change, but actually help to reduce the effects and causes of climate change altogether. So no matter what your role is within financial services, you do have a responsibility to meet the challenge um, of climate risk and climate change through green finance. And Simon, is there anything you'd add in terms of the role which insurers and financial planning professionals play in terms of green and sustainable finance? If, if I could build on on Rebecca's um, point, is to kind of underline, you know, the critical importance of what we do as as, as finance professionals. Um, I mean, a lot of people know the, um, the 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 first objective of the Paris Agreement, which is to um, uh, keep global temperatures below two degrees and as close to one and a half degrees as possible. Um, a lot of people will also perhaps have heard of the second objective in the Paris Agreement, which is to promote climate resilient development, to encourage the adaptation of communities and, and, and countries to, to the effects of climate change. But the Paris Agreement has three objectives, and the third objective is less widely known, but it's absolutely critical to what we do. And the third objective in the Paris Agreement is to realign flows of finance to support uh, climate change mitigation and adaptation activities. And I think it's very telling that the you know the key global climate change agreement singles out the role of finance in all of that. So and that you know that's the finance sector. But what's the finance sector? It's all of us. It's bankers. It's investors. It's insurers. It's accountants and, and all the supporting uh, professions as well. And and then going going back to or going, moving forward from the Paris Agreement to 2021 and COP26, known as the, the Finance COP. So UN Special Envoy Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England, he set as the objective for the finance sector there that every professional financial decision should take climate change into account. I think many of us, and I, I certainly would extend this to taking a, a broader range of environmental and social sustainability factors into account too. In other words, we all have to integrate sustainability factors into all our lending, investing and underwriting decisions in our credit, in our risk, in investment analysis, in the financial products and services we design, in the advice we give to our clients, colleagues and customers, You know whether that's financial planning advice or whether it's a banker engaging with, um, with large corporate clients. And surely it follows that if every professional financial decision is to take climate change and sustainability into account, then Every finance professional, every banker, every insurer, every investor, every financial planner, all of us need at least a basic knowledge of sustainability relevant to our role and, and be able to apply this in the context of our professional activity, our daily interactions with our customers and clients. We don't all need to become climate scientists and sustainability experts, right? But 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 we do all need to develop a basic understanding of, of key concepts and terms of the principles and practice of green and sustainable finance so that we can all build our competence and confidence in this area to integrate sustainability within our own professional practice so that actually every professional financial decision 
does take climate change and sustainability into account, uh, which is which is why I'm delighted to welcome CII's Green Finance Companion Guide to the Code of Ethics, because this is a step towards helping all CII and PFS members do this. Excellent. Thank you, Simon. And Rebecca, the, the Code of Ethics Guide that the CII has now published, um, it's a Green Finance Companion Guide. Um, can you tell us more about what the guide sets out and how that aims to, to help members and the wider profession? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got a short answer and a slightly longer answer for you. So uh, the short answer is that the guide um, provides an explanation of green finance, not as in-depth as um, the one that was just offered by Simon, but I think it covers all of the main points. Um, it gives members guidance on how to incorporate green finance-related thinking into their decision-making during their working day, and it also sets out their need to act as role models when it comes to sustainability, which I think is what Simon was talking about um, there, when it's everybody's responsibility. We all have a role to play, and actually professionals should be acting as role models in this area. The slightly longer answer for you is that the guide, um, similar to our other companion guides, uses the five core duties, which are set out in the CII Code of Ethics, as a lens to examine members' responsibilities. So in this case, those responsibilities are around considering green finance factors as part of their work. Um, so, for example, core duty one of the Code of Ethics requires members to comply with the code and all relevant laws and regulations. In the companion guide, the core duty references FCA expectations on green finance and highlights the importance of relevant CPD in this area to ensure up-to-date knowledge and skills. So, we're taking each of the core duties and looking at them as a lens um, through which we can we can examine green finance in greater detail, as well as explore and set out members' responsibilities. And Simon, how important is collaboration between organisations and, and even sectors in terms of sustainability? It's it's critical. Uh, I mean, tackling the triple planetary crisis of climate change, pollution and biodiversity loss is our greatest collective global challenge, and it requires ambitious, urgent, collective and shared solutions. The, um, the IPCC synthesis report released just last week told us unequivocally that we have a very small window now to keep global temperatures below two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Um, and the impacts of global warming, not least the increased frequency of and severity of extreme weather events, are already being felt as you know, insurers will be very well aware, which is why collective global alliances such as the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, GFANS, now encompassing more than 550 financial firms, bringing together the UN convened Net Zero um, alliances for asset owners, asset managers, bankers and insurers, and other collective uh, alliances such as the UN Principles for Responsible Investment, Principles for Responsible Banking, Principles for Sustainable Insurance are so important. They, they provide a forum for collective action, for commitments to align financing with the objectives of the Paris Agreement and the UN SDGs. Uh, they allow those commitments to be made, but also crucially to be monitored and for the sharing of best practice in green and sustainable finance so that what is perhaps seen as best practice in some places right now can quickly become standard practice across finance sort of everywhere um, as soon as possible. It's not just at the institutional level that collaboration is important, though, which is sort of why here in the UK, the Green Finance Education Charter, which brings together some 14 professions and more than a million finance professionals, was established, and also why CII, ourselves at the Chartered Banker Institute, and our colleagues at CISI are collaborating too, especially on our joint certificate in climate risk qualification. 
And Rebecca, how does the um, guide cover um, the importance of collaboration? I think that this might be the guide that to date has the most emphasis on the importance of collaboration. Um, As Simon has already mentioned, green finance is a a really key strand of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And the success of those goals will only be achieved through collective action. I think that's something that we can all agree on. Um, And that's something we were really, really keen to communicate within the guide. We therefore included a whole section, which has not been done um, previously in any of our other companion guides, which specifically recognises efforts made globally. um, And we highlight action plans, resources and commitments made by regulators, governments and federations across the world to enable effective change. We also talk about community and collaboration throughout the guide. So on the one of the pages which talks about treating people fairly, which is core duty five of the code of ethics, we encourage people to really think about the decisions that they're making. And the guide actually says that part of treating people fairly is developing the ability to put yourself in the position of others and make choices that do good for many and not just those in our direct circle. There are also questions within the guide which ask you to reflect on how your decisions made today might impact future generations. So, you know, your children, your grandchildren, your niece or nephew or godchildren or, you know, children of your friends, how are they going to be impacted by the choices you make today? And I think that those kind of reflective questions that are peppered throughout the guide really do enhance the feeling of of collaboration and community when it comes to making an effort in this area. Rebecca, you um, touched briefly there on regulation. Um, now, the Financial Conduct Authority is increasingly putting into place regulation around the area of environmental, social and governance. Can you tell us what the FCA has said regarding ESG products and the CII's views in this area as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's fair to say that the FCA's approach on regulation in this area is still developing. Um, But their stated aim, and I'll quote it here, is through our strategy for positive change, we aim to build regulatory foundations and set appropriate guardrails to support the potentially powerful role that finance can play in the transition. So essentially what they're saying, what the FCA are looking for, are for firms to develop a culture of sustainability and to innovate in this area. And a successful approach to sustainability, as well as with lots of other conduct issues, will always rely on professionals taking the initiative and the regulators enforcing minimum standards, um, as well as standardisation of reporting. So whilst we've referenced specific FCA guidance and policy statements within the companion guide itself, including the FCA's guiding principles on design, delivery and disclosure of ESG and sustainable investment funds, we expect in the same way that we do within the actual CII Code of Ethics itself, that members will go above and beyond the regulatory minimum. Um, That's why the guide is a really great starting point to help inspire members to recognise their responsibilities in this area, as well as to make their status as role models clear. And Simon, is there anything else you feel it's important to add in terms of ESG regulation? If I may, yes, I think... think, um... Uh, Becca's given us a great, great overview of where the regulators sort of want to get to. But I do, I would like to see the FCA broaden their approach beyond their focus on retail investment, which is where they're looking at at the moment, and and look at finance more holistically. Um, uh, maybe not for this audience, but um, you know, banking is the main source of credit for households and firms, and we need to accelerate the greening of banking above all for a successful transition to, to net zero. 
Um, plus, as I, as I wrote in, so I uh, was lucky enough to contribute a, an essay to the FCA's recent discussion paper uh, last month on finance for positive change. Um, and whilst I welcome the FCA's recent initiatives and those of you know many international regulators now to deter greenwashing, um, I do feel they tend to focus on deliberate greenwashing, which I don't see as really being the major problem. In fact, for me, it's the only the the tip of a rapidly melting iceberg, and uh, we should be more worried about inadvertent greenwashing, which is when professionals and firms unknowingly mislead consumers, clients, investors, and others, um, or fail to consider. Usually, because they they don't consider the full range of sustainability factors and associated benefits and, and and harms. For example, they might sort of highlight the positive environmental or social sustainability benefits and benefits and impacts of a of a fund or an activity, but they don't consider associated environmental and social harms. So classic example is are the biodiversity and community impacts of a large onshore wind development. There's um you know there's some ethical trade-offs and environmental trade-offs to be made there. Could be describing a, an activity or a product or a service or a fund as green or sustainable without adequately measuring, monitor, monitoring and verifying the sustainability outcomes or relying on the unverified claims of, of others. Um, and particularly, it can be making public commitments to sustainability that aren't backed by consistent action or are contradicted by an organization's activities elsewhere. For example, where a global bank makes public commitments to increasing green lending, but a subsidiary continues to fund businesses and engage in large-scale deforestation. I mean, in an ideal world, this inadvertent greenwashing wouldn't happen because finance professionals would all have the requisite sustainability knowledge needed to um, inform their ethical and professional judgment and scepticism and, and act accordingly. So, of course, where we're trying to, 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 to get to with things such as the, the CII's guide and, and, and many of the um, qualifications and CPD that ourselves, CI and other bodies do. But um, it's a complex and rapidly evolving area. The world doesn't divide neatly into green and brown. The sustainability sector and agenda evolves rapidly, adding to complexity, especially as wider issues of biodiversity, social factors, the, the just transition come to the fore. So ensuring that finance professionals have the knowledge and skills required to support decision-making, to support um, the, the making of what, for identifying ethical environmental dilemmas, and then making informed uh, judgments based on knowledge and professionalism. And, and building firms' capacities, capabilities, and cultures to support this is something I'd like to see regulators do far more to support and champion, building on the expertise of professional bodies such as CII and ourselves at the Chartered Banker Institute. Yeah, there's certainly many important aspects to consider there, Simon, and and then, as you say, an area that is always evolving as well. Um, Simon, can you tell us a bit more about your role as chair of the UK's Green Finance Education Charter, uh, and what that involves, and, and some of the work you're doing there? So, probably build builds on the um, the last answer, sort of really, and 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 the Green Finance Education Charter is trying to build on and uh, enhance the leading role of professional bodies in this area. So it was announced in the uh, UK government's current green finance strategy, about to be updated, uh, launched in June 2020. And the Green Finance Education Charter, the world first designed to help build the capacity and capabilities of the green and sustainable finance sector uh, in the UK and to an extent internationally as, as well. Um, it brings together 14 UK-based professions, I'm very glad to say, including CII and ourselves at the Chartered Banker Institute. In total, more than a million accountants, bankers, investors, insurers, treasurers, risk professionals, and, and so on, with the aim of building knowledge and skills 
you know, comp professionals' competence and confidence and the capacity and capabilities of our finance sector overall to support UK and global net zero ambitions and sustainability more broadly. I think you know, professional bodies, and I hope I don't need to tell uh, this audience, play key roles in shaping and defining standards, norms, values, practices in our respective professions and, and sectors. So in brief, through the Charter, the UK-based finance professions are firstly engaging our members on environmental and sustainability issues to raise the profile and importance of these, such as we're doing now. We're enhancing programs of initial and continuing professional development, um, including qualifications to incorporate green and sustainable finance. So this becomes part of core learning for all finance professionals so that every professional financial decision does take account of climate change and sustainability. And we are reviewing professional codes of conduct and related guidance and augmenting these to reflect green and sustainable finance principles, just as CI have done. Rebecca, the Chartered Body Alliance, of which the Chartered Insurance Institute and the Chartered Banker Institute are members, along with the Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment, have produced a certificate in climate risk. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's the first joint qualification that was developed by the Chartered Body Alliance, um, and it was launched in 2021. It's a single unit qualification, um, which is designed to develop the learner's professional knowledge, understanding and skills relating to climate change, climate risk and sustainable finance. Um, the great thing about the certificate is that it's suitable for professionals at all levels from anywhere in the world. So it's not just UK specific, but it is designed specifically for financial services professionals who already have a good understanding of risk management principles and practices. So undertaking the certificate will add to the base skills um, that one needs to measure, monitor and report climate risks using available data. And certificate holders will be able to outline common approaches to modelling climate risks and to examine regulatory approaches and responses. And more information can be found on, I think, all of our websites, as well as the Chartered Body Alliance website. Um, and if you do need anything else, do get in touch and I'll be able to point you in the right direction. Fantastic. Thank you, Rebecca. And, and Simon, you referenced the certificate in climate risk earlier. Clearly, that's something you feel is, is important and you'd like to see professionals consider that qualification. Yeah, I think an understanding of climate risk and an understanding of how to apply the principles and practice of green and sustainable finance more broadly, you know, are already uh, what we're already seeing, certainly on the banking side, are an increasing, uh, increasingly important elements of of all finance professionals' roles. Um, and you know, in the future, it will be as important and as fundamental to the work we do as a as a knowledge of you know on the banking side of credit, of of, of risk, of regulation, of, of operations. It'll be you know one thing that we're all expected to to know about. And I would say as well as well as the very good professional reasons for uh, updating uh, knowledge and skills in this area. Um, you know, there's so much about this in terms of public discourse. You know, if you have if you have children, you'll find your children are coming home and know more about this than you. If you want to know what David Attenborough and Greta Thunberg and people are all talking about, this is just a great way to learn about it. So, and I, I've genuinely found as as we've um, supported our members at the Charter Banker Institute with this, probably you know half of the people who are taking it is taking for professional reasons now and, and half people are taking it because it's something they're really interested in and really engaged with and they, they want to learn more about it both personally and professionally so it becomes a you know so it's a really engaging subject really interesting subject to learn about 
Fantastic. And, and Simon, any final thoughts from you um, around green and sustainable finance and the work you're doing or or any uh, where you direct our listeners to find more resources or information? Well, of course, you know, please, please, please look at CII's website. Sort of first of all, there'll be, be lots there. And, I'm, you know, make make sure you um, you look at and you, you work through the, the companion guide we've been talking about. Um, but if you want to come and visit our website, come and have a look at the Centre for Responsible Banking at charterbanker.com, where you'll find lots of resources to help you learn more about this area. It's aimed mainly at our members in banking, of course, but, you know, many of the resources will be relevant to all finance professionals. Um, and if you'll allow me a plug as well, I, I do have to highly recommend a an excellent book on the subject. I recommend it because I wrote it. Um, it's called Principles and Practice of Green and Sustainable Finance, second edition just released on the 2nd of March with a new chapter on impact underwriting included. Um, and also, please have a look at the Green Finance Institute's website as well. Not only is it the home of the Green Finance Education Charter, more broadly there you'll find information and communities tackling some of the, the greatest collective challenges in terms of unlocking sustainable finance to support the transition, such as uh, decarbonization of the built environment and the um and the transport sector um you know there's uh there's, there's a lot out there sometimes there's perhaps too much but you know do use your professional body whether that's cii or the the chartered banker institute um as a, as a as a good way to be signposted towards materials that'll be most relevant to you excellent thank you simon we we'll certainly um encourage our listeners to to look at those and, and any final words from you um rebecca either on the the green finance companion guide or the work the cii is doing around green and sustainable finance more more broadly yeah i suppose just to say that this is for me is something that it's, i've been working on for a really long time and i think that it will resonate really closely with our members um as simon says you know there are there's a lot more engagement on green finance and sustainable issues um, from maybe people's clients, their family. We see it a lot more in the press. It's a huge emphasis in a lot of the things that we watch. I myself was watching Wild Isles, which is the latest Attenborough documentary last night, which is fantastic. So I could recommend that to, to people as well. And just a, a, a clear um, roadmap to where you can find the guide. It will be found alongside the Code of Ethics, as well as the other companion guides on the CII's website at cii.co.uk slash code. And in addition to all of the wonderful resources that Simon has recommended, the guide itself actually references a number of other resources, both hyperlinked throughout the guide and in a section on selected sources and further reading, which is found at the end of the document. So I do encourage members to get involved, to check those out, um, to do their CPD in this area and to get in touch if they have any questions, not only on this guide, but on topics for future guides as well. Well, thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, Simon, um, so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's incredibly interesting subjects, very important. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure to have you both sharing such valuable information. And uh, yeah, it's been a joy to, to speak to you both. So thanks for being with us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you very much, Luke. And thank you very much for joining us on CII Radio today. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>